Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, we love you too. Mm, we love you so much. Thank you. I was not ready for that. <laughs> oh, you pray that God will give me the words and the voice, and let's pray that God will just bring this right home to all of our hearts. Jesus, uh, thank you that you're with us. Holy Spirit, have your way with each one of us today and with this church family, for we are yours. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Uh, This month has been a bit of a whirlwind, wouldn't you say? (laughs) It was so wonderful to celebrate and party with you and with family and uh, with former New Lifers last weekend. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Our hearts are so full, and thank you for that surprise. That really got my heart. (laughs) And so maybe today the dust is starting to settle a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm actually very grateful for how the schedule worked out here uh, at the end of my pastoral ministry among you. You know, kind of a blowout with a big crowd last weekend. And then, you know, today as we're together, just a quieter heart-to-heart time with you today. Uh, Just us uh, as a church family today. I, I like that. I like that. Just us. As we wrap up, some famous last words I want to leave with you for now, from my heart to yours, uh, on this final Just Us Sunday. Just us. The church as we are these days. Uh, Just us to enjoy this moment, to celebrate the closure of this season of ministry and the dawning of the next one. I'm especially happy to be just with you today, uh, because... As Jesus put it to his disciples in the upper room on the night before he went away, he said to them, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. That's what he told them. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. I've had a few trials over the years, as you know full well. Uh, Some were self-imposed. Others were imposed upon me ranges from physical disability to times of emotional darkness to addiction into recovery, and you are those who stood by me in my trials. You did that for me. You did that for Jesus. You did that with me. And I can only say thank you, and I can never say it enough. Thank you. By God's grace... And it's God's grace alone. No illusions about that. We have reached this finish line together. And I thank you for that. The text for today's final message is a kind of finish line text. The Apostle Paul was about to board a ship and sail to Jerusalem. And he knew he would be imprisoned there. He was near the end of his ministry and also his life. And the scene must have been filled with pathos, with great emotion. They were all gathered together on the dock. He called for the elders of the church in Ephesus to come and say goodbye. We're told that they were all weeping on the dock. They took turns embracing him, kissing him, saying goodbye to him because uh, they realized they would never see him again. Now, if I have anything to say about it, you will see me again, whether you want to or not. (laughs) 
But, you know, God knows. It's, it's really in God's hands. Uh, Paul had spent over two years at the church in Ephesus. They had some great times and some hard times. But we are told that the word of God did mighty things in Ephesus. But now, Paul knew it was time for him to go. I got a lot more than two years here, and I praise God for that. And I saw a lot of great times and some hard times. And God gave me the best friends and church members, the best elders and pastors that a man could ever want to serve with and be part of. And they are yours now. I'm going to say a little bit more about that later at the end of the message. But now, like Paul knew it was time for him to go, I know it's time for me to go, too. Paul told them that he wasn't worried about what was lying ahead for him. He just wanted to finish his course and complete the ministry that he had received from the Lord Jesus Christ. He just wanted to end well. Every good story has a good ending to it. Uh, It's at the end of the story that the tensions are resolved, the mystery is revealed, and the point or the moral of the story is made. Nothing is worse than a novel that doesn't have an ending. It just stops. Or a movie that just peters out to nothing after you've invested two hours watching it. That's how you're going to end? Or someone telling a story that you begin to realize has no point. Has no point at all. It's like a plane lost in the fog. You know it's just going to keep circling and circling and circling instead of coming in for a landing. And you you can't find a way to get out of that rambling conversation. It needs a good ending. And that's what Paul wants for his life and for their lives too. I want to end well. I want to finish what God has given me to do. But even more than that, I want you to end well. I want you to end well. I want you to carry on here from strength to strength in the Lord and live in such a way that you do what God has given you to do. And you end well, whenever that day comes for you. So, what will that mean for the Apostle Paul, to end well? We need to understand this, because what it means for him is the same thing it means for me and for you and for New Life Church. It does not mean that he has accomplished all of his goals, or that he wants to be known as the one who succeeded in planting churches and spreading Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. No, it does not mean that he needs to have certainty that the churches he started are going to make it. Ending well has nothing to do with his achievements or his accomplishments. So in this third and final message of my famous last word series, uh, hopefully, as I've said, not my last ever words, and certainly not famous, but they are mine nevertheless, and I share them with you. What I want to say to you is live to end well. Live to end well. Let's read our text for this day, this last Sunday that... I get to be with you as your senior pastor from the book of Acts, chapter 20, and we'll read verses 17 through 24. Acts 20, verses 17 through 24. This is the word of God. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, 
from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have, to, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, the word of God. And there it is. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That is how Paul wants to finish, testifying to God's grace. Testifying to God's grace. We talk a lot about grace around here, don't we? And we should. The gospel, the good news is about the grace of God for us in Jesus Christ who came for us. So let me remind you what we mean by it when we talk of grace. When we refer to God's grace, uh, we are referring to the undeserved kindness of God to love us, save us, keep us, and change us from guilt to glory. When we talk about God's grace, we're talking about the forgiveness of our sins, which we did not earn, but Jesus earned on our behalf through his perfect life, his death on a cross in our place, and his resurrection to secure eternal life. We're talking about a salvation that comes entirely from the Lord, and not at all from us. When we talk about grace, we are referring to a God who loves us, not because of what we have done or not done, but because he decided to make us his. When we talk about grace, we are talking about God's intention to give us what we need, not what we deserve. We are talking about the initiatives of God in our lives, not our own achievements. Through the good days and the bad days and the routine days and the boring days, God is molding and shaping our lives so that we can live as a people who are unafraid because God is at work in us by his grace in all things. We can have authentic compassion toward those around us because we have confidence that God is at work in us by his grace and there's plenty of grace to go around. We can even become the whole and holy creatures we were made to be through his grace at work in us. There is one who makes people holy. That is what is at work within the Apostle Paul's life. That is what he wants to see finished. It has nothing to do with what he achieves. It has everything to do with Jesus and who he becomes in Jesus. Christianity is not just a a religion of ideas. 
It is God's powerful way of transforming our lives and making us holy creatures in Jesus Christ. Throughout the the entire journey of life, we are constantly making decisions and engaging in the disciplines of life that shape how we will end. Whether or not we finish the course as a holy creation with a life that was well lived out of God's grace for us in Christ. You sometimes hear about deathbed conversions. They happen, but they are rare. Usually people die the way they live. People die the way they live. If anything, they just become more and more of themselves the older they get. Think with me about this. Unable to filter and spin and make things, masking things to look a certain way, as well as they used to be able to. And that's a bit scary, don't you think? Along the way in life, uh, regardless of our age, we're constantly making decisions and choices that God will use to shape whether or not the story ends well for us. And maybe you're in church today thinking that since you are young, and I'm talking about the end, this isn't a sermon for you. Well, uh, you don't know how many years of life you have left. None of us do. I've buried a lot of children and young people over the years. But let's assume you're right. Let's say you have another 60 years of life uh, before you have to think of the end of your life story. Uh, It's still a pressing matter for you that you have a vision of how you want your life to end in order to know what kind of choices and decisions to make along the way. You know, ending well does not happen magically after living poorly or living a life unfocused or unprincipled or unsurrendered to God's will. When we study the biographies of great people, it soon becomes apparent that they made critical choices as young adults that shaped the rest of their lives and their destiny. It is as a young adult that you face most of the forks along the road in life. And those forks then lead to other forks. The the decisions you will soon be making are made because of decisions you've already made. But to be clear, after you get down the road a bit, and you take a look back, you start to realize that the really important forks in the road uh, were not about educational or vocational or even relational choices. The most important decisions were about what kind of person you were going to become. It is about your mission in life. What do you have as your life's purpose? What is your view of the world around you? By what convictions and non-negotiables will you conduct your life? Is it about you or is it about God? Will you live as a person who is tentative, or afraid, or selfish? Or will you live as one who has passion in the adventure of following Jesus and living by faith? The Apostle Paul is calling you to choose wisely, to choose carefully, to choose grace. To choose grace, because that is the only way you are going to finish well. The decisions we make will mold and shape us. 
Even when we don't live up to our own convictions, even when we make mistakes, even when we sin, and we come back to God asking for forgiveness, which you know I have often had to do in my life and ministry among you, even then, especially then, we are shaped by that. Your soul is shaped by that. Your soul is broken down and built up and made even sturdy, sturdier in confronting uh, your sins and your failures and receiving and relying upon God's mercy. You have a soul. It's easy to forget that in this world. You have a soul. You have a soul, and it matters how you treat it and what becomes of it. Remember, it is a testimony of God's grace that Paul is after. So it is not that you cannot make mistakes, that you cannot sin, that you have to come back to the Heavenly Father and ask for forgiveness again. Of course you can. And you must. For that very process breaks you, shapes you, molds you, and strengthens your soul in relying upon Jesus Christ. Eventually, you get far enough down the road where you're way past illusions of starting over again. We've all had those thoughts. You realize that the life you have is the one you have been building on the days when you were paying attention and on the days when you were not. Or maybe you are at the halfway mark through life. You spent the first half of your life uh, knocking yourself out for success. But now you're at a point where you're realizing that It is not all that exciting to get the next promotion and to move from one little box on the organizational chart to the next box. You go to the next box, it's a little bit higher, and you'll have a lot more responsibility and maybe a little more money. It's not that you couldn't do it and succeed again, but you are at a point in your life when you are wondering if this is what you want to spend the rest of your life doing. Maybe it's time to think about that. When a football team goes into the locker room after struggling in the first half, I always wonder what the coach is going to say in there at halftime. I would love to be in there. Is it like in the movies? Do they curse and throw chairs around? Do they say encouraging words or both? Sometimes whatever the coach did and said works because the team comes back in the second half completely reinvigorated and ready to play. Well, maybe you need a halftime discussion with Jesus about how you will play the second half of your game. But again, it's probably not going to be all about the job or the career. It's probably not going to be about collecting more success or more stuff. You already have success. You already have stuff. Now it's time to be a steward of all of that, all that God has given to you. Now it's time to think about significance. Or, like the Apostle Paul, maybe you're getting close to the end of your life. Your ship hasn't sailed yet, but you can see the dock from where you stand. What would Paul say to you about how you will end life? Well, I can tell you exactly what he would say to you from this text. He would say, finish the course, finish the race, finish well because you're not done yet. 
Don't just entertain yourself until you get on the boat and go across the river of death to the far shore. Finish well. Continue to testify to a life that has been saved and shaped by the grace of God in following Jesus Christ. The grace that is still at work in you until the end. That's where I am. That's what I need you to pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me that I will continue to testify to the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. I want you to think with me for just a couple of minutes about falling down and finishing well. Those don't seem to go together, do they? Falling down and finishing well. Who wants to fall down and how can you finish well if you're falling down? Well, those two go together in this fallen, broken world in which we live. Have you ever watched a cross-country race that's being run when it's just pouring rain? It's like three miles of a mudslide. By the time the runners get back to the finish line, the parents who are watching, they have a hard time recognizing their own kids. Their shirts and their faces are just covered with the mud that's been kicked up all around them as they ran. Most of the runners have large, muddy bottoms and backs from where they slipped and fell many times along the race, uh, along that trail. But they kept getting back up. They kept running, slipping, sliding, falling down, but they didn't stop. They kept getting back up. They kept going, covered with mud. There would be no way to finish that race without being covered with mud. And the closer they got to the finish line, well, the harder they ran, because that's where all the cheering happens, at the finish line. In the course of our lives, we all fall down a lot. I think I've demonstrated that enough for you. Now it's your turn. Some of us are finishing life not looking so beautiful anymore, covered with mud. That's okay. That's okay. Don't stop. Don't stop now. Don't stop yet. All the saints who have gone before you are leaning over the balcony of heaven, and they are cheering for you. So don't stop now. If anything, now is the time to put it into a good kick and run hard. If you're going to survive losses that are some of the greatest you will ever face, the loss of health, of job, of home, of spouse, of loved ones, you are going to survive to the end only, only by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now is the time that you can make spectacular testimony to the saving and empowering and sustaining grace of a God who is with you and for you always, even in the mud. I would say especially in the mud and the muck and the mire. Some people go through those uh, end-of-life losses and they become bitter, cold, hard. But others go through them and they become absolutely gracious and tender. The only way to die graciously is to attend to the grace of God as you live as you run the race set before you to finish the task 
the Lord Jesus has given you. Again, we end life as we live it along the way. It's that simple. Those who end well are not those who avoid making mistakes. In fact, if you're going to live well and end well, you will inevitably make mistakes because you will take risks that won't all work out well. You will fail at times, as I have many times. That is why we have grace. That is why we need grace. It picks us up, patches us up, and gets us going again. But those who end well do have something in common, I think. Uh, They stayed awake throughout their entire life. They paid attention to the God who was at work with them in their blessings, in their hardships, in their successes, in their failures, on the wonderful days and on the horrible days. And they watched in awe as God shaped and molded and mended their broken lives, their soul, in all of those times. That is why they finish well by the grace of God. Thank you for running the race with me. Thank you for keeping me in the race when I fell down and found it hard to get back up. Thank you for praying me through all the way to this finish line, one of many in life. Now, let's keep going. Keep going. You will fall down, help each other get back up and keep going. Live to finish well by the grace of God for you in Jesus Christ, for the glory of God. Don't worry. Don't be dismayed. Both your falling down and your finishing well are testifying to the good news of God's grace for all who follow hard after Jesus, come what may. As Paul was wrapping up his remarks to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he said this in verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. I can't do any better than that. I commit you to God and the word of his grace. It's all about his grace from the starting gun to the finish line. Paul wrote a similar thing to Timothy in his very last letter. He said, be strong, Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. You may forget everything else, but remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Be strong in his grace. I can't do any better than that. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This is the gospel that saves you. If you want God, if you want forgiveness, if you want a new life, if you want freedom from sin, you want Jesus. It's that simple. You want Jesus. You want Jesus who was crucified for sinners and raised from the dead to give you life. So don't don't leave this place today without Jesus. Please, don't go home without Jesus. This is my last opportunity to say this to you from this pulpit. Don't go home without Jesus. 
This may be your last chance to hear this and respond to it. Do not presume upon the grace of God. Receive Jesus. Believe in him. Trust him. Rest in his love for you. Follow him. You will be saved. Nobody and nothing in this world can take that from you. You will be saved. This is the gospel truth. It's for you. It's for me. I can't do any better than that. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, by God's grace, Shelley and I landed in the first New Life Church as newlyweds in our early 20s, way, way, way back in 1974. And I got to tell you, we heard pastors and elders and church members confessing their sins publicly and talking about the grace they were finding in Jesus for forgiveness and for the changing of their lives that gripped our hearts in a way that it has never let us go. That's our legacy. That's your legacy, too. So when we were sent out to plant this church, it was our turn to live and model in our brokenness this magnificent grace of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we could not have done it without you. You were so gracious to us. You helped us grow up in our marriage. You helped us raise our sons. You helped us in times of trouble. You prayed us up and you prayed us through. Thank you. Keep on. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And when things get tough at times, as they will, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. There's nothing you will go through that is worse than death. And you have a God who beat death and raises the dead. Anybody excited about that? (laughs) That changes everything. Be strong in his grace. I commit you to him and the word of his grace. You're going to be hearing the word of God's grace from the lips of Pastor Tim and the other elders. And you will see the grace of God at work in shaping their lives and their ministry among you. You're in good hands. The hands of God as he shepherds you through these men in the months ahead. I've poured my heart and my life into these brothers. I love them. I trust them. I trust the work of God in them. It's been especially my desire over the past few years uh, to invest in Pastor Tim and to mentor him in my somewhat haphazard way in the grace of God that is ours in Jesus Christ. And I believe that has happened. And it's been very much a two-way street. Uh, Tim has pastored me over these last few years as God knit our hearts and our lives together in gospel ministry. I've been so happy to have Tim as my pastor. And I wish that could continue. But my hope is that it will be so again in the future, after the passing of some time. And one thing I wanted to share with you that strikes me the most is how God has raised up Pastor Tim for such a time as this, this season of transition, uh, a season of some uncertainty, 
and ambiguity. And here's what I mean by that. I can see, as, I, as I've gotten to know Tim, I can see that God has given Tim the ability to navigate in uncharted waters. He's not nervous about that. He's comfortable there. And I believe that Pastor Tim's ability to function and lead in the midst of ambiguity will provide a pastoral stability for you as a church family in the time of transition ahead. This will serve you well. This is the grace of God. So pray for Pastor Tim and all your elders. Receive and support them as men who love Jesus and love you as they minister God's grace to you and among you. Uh, They won't do it perfectly, just like I never did. Uh, They won't have any magic for you, just like I never did. But they will have the grace of Jesus for you, which is all I ever had anyway. Let me close with this. On October 2nd, 2016, uh, Vin Scully retired as a sports broadcaster after 67 years of announcing Dodger baseball. And I loved his farewell words, and I'm going to borrow some of them as I close now, since they express my heart for you so well. Here's what he said in part. He said, you know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life sends a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. Then he said, you and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. New Life family, my family, Shelley's family, a new day and a new year is coming. God is on the move, and he is with you. And so for now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace until we see each other again. Live to end well by the grace of God that is fully available to you in Jesus Christ. May God bless and keep each one of you And may God bless and keep New Life Church, Philadelphia. Elders, please, elders, everybody who's an elder here, please come on up to the stage. We'd like to pray for John and Shelley. While you're coming up, I just want to read this one verse from the book of Hebrews. Remember your leaders, 
those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Elders, let's pray for John and Shelley. Lord, we just want to thank you for the blessings that you've given this church and your kingdom of Shelley and John, Lord. And we just pray that you would bless them greatly as in the years ahead. I'm sure you have more work for them to do elsewhere. But we just praise you for all that they've done in service here from the beginning to now. And Lord, we just thank you. We pray you just... Help them and help us as a church here to learn and remember and to learn and to continue to grow in the grace of God. Amen. Father, I'm so thankful for the fact that that you are the shepherd of this church and the church in the world and that we are looking forward to a, a glorious um, finish to that. We think about that as we read the book of Revelation. We pray that you give John and Shelley that hope as they go through some perhaps lonely days. Um, and uh, thank you that you're with them too. And please carry them and comfort them. In Jesus' name. To you be praise and glory, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you you have raised this man and this woman, Lord God, to be your man and to be your woman, here in this place in the appointed time. Thank you, Lord, that you have given them the strength, Lord, to finish well. And to live well, Lord God, in dependency on Jesus Christ, his Lord and his Redeemer. I thank you, Lord, for the many messages and the words of hope, Lord, that he has given to us and to me, to my wife, and to so many others here, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, while his time as a pastor here may be over, his time as, uh, as a child of God and as a daughter of the Almighty King, Lord, that, that is eternal. And you have many, many more things for them, Father God. You are a good God, Lord. Watch over them and bless them and keep them in your care. Dear Lord, as you've called each one to yourself, it's never goodbye because we're eternally connected 
in our family. So wherever our travels take us, with any believers, we're always part of your family. And we just thank you, Lord, for the time you allow us to share with John and Shelley. And we give praise to you for the gift of them and for all believers as we are connected with you throughout all eternity. And we thank you for how you died on the cross for us, but you also give us other people to enjoy, to learn from, to love, to cry with. And Lord, we just thank you that we're once connected, we're never disconnected. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, um, we know that you give us good works, Lord, Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you for the faithfulness um, that John and Shelley have shown in doing the good works that you've set before them, Lord. And thank you for giving them grace and equipping them for those works. And Lord, as they um, leave us here, at least for a time, uh, Lord, I just pray that you will be faithful in showing them uh, the good works you have for them, whether that's in rest or whatever it is, Lord, in serving your kingdom and bringing glory to your name, Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to them and bless them with those works that you have for them, Lord, and that you would uh, equip them with the strength and grace and wisdom um, to pursue those, Lord, whether it's uh, somewhere else or or in in this community. Um, I just pray that you will be with them and you'll be gracious to them, that you'll give them hope in knowing that uh, the works that you have given them to do in the past and the works that you give them to do in the future find their meaning in you. And we pray these things in your name. Lord, I thank you so much for a a good, long association with this dear brother. Thank you, Lord, for the consistency of the message that we are saved through Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone. Christ alone is our hope and our salvation, our joy and our King And I thank you, Lord, that we have heard this proclaimed consistently from this pulpit, in this place, by your grace and in the uh, the aid of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that. We thank you. Thank you for those treasures, those riches and those treasures that we have received in the gospel through John. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to your church. Thank you that your faithfulness extends way beyond John, that John can... Rest easy knowing that Jesus Christ loves his church Mm -hmm. and that Jesus will continue to lead his church Mm -hmm. into new things. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise for you alone deserve it. Mm -hmm. And we thank you. Thank you so much for Shelley and John and and for their friendship and their love. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much.